Welcome to another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. This is a special edition at KubeCon in Europe. And today I have my good friend Dinesh from Sivo, Sivo Cloud. And uh, is it Sivo Cloud or is it just Sivo now? It's just Sivo. <laughs> I don't think it's ever really been Sivo Cloud, oh, okay. unless you don't know what we're doing, <laughs> in which case Sivo Cloud will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I guess I've always called it Sivo Cloud in my mind. I don't know why I've done that, but, you know. It's because Sivo doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, we sometimes get asked, like, what does Sivo stand for or anything? And it's just, it's just a four-letter domain that we managed to get a few <laughs> years ago and kind of repurposed it into what it is today. But Yeah, yeah. that's... That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, I mean, well, let's start there. Like, what, what was the history? Like, how did you get Ooh. into this thing called SIVO? I guess we really started from a few businesses that we had in the kind of hosting industry is where we were, but always felt like we weren't pushing the envelope of what could be done. Okay. So we had a company that was doing VMware hosting and Zen Server and pushing out virtual desktops and you know, your standard VMs kind of things, <laughs> maybe a bit of Exchange Server running there, but it was always following yeah. rather than leading. So with Sivo, we really wanted to build something that was innovating in the cloud space and really pushing the forefront of the technology. So that's kind of where we started five years ago. And we started with, started with OpenStack, moved to this shiny thing called Kubernetes, if you can believe it, a few years ago when it was all new. Um, and we started offering customers Kubernetes and thought, why don't we ditch OpenStack and do what every startup should do, which is just build your own thing from the ground up because you can do it better. Yeah, no, and, and that's really where, you know, where all the great innovation comes from is this kind of like frustration of why isn't this being done? And then you kind of come up with something that's, that's, that's you know, either simpler or, or better in some way or easier for somebody to use. You feel some kind of pain yeah. and then and then you do something about it. So what, what was the real? Honestly, I think the real pain for us was um, ownership of problems. Of We've been in this industry for long enough to know that things go wrong, yeah. things go down, <laughs> things break. And reading through someone else's code base yeah. in a language you didn't write to find <laughs> that one obscure line of the problem that you're hitting is like we didn't we didn't own it and we couldn't give customers that not only customers but our engineers that were on call give them the life that they deserved, which is not being on call, <laughs> right? And relying on OpenStack and having features pushed into the product that weren't our use case yet introduced bugs and problems. That's kind of where we went. Right, let's. Let's own the problem. Let's build it ourselves. Build something that is not full, as fully featured as OpenStack, but yeah. is really core and driven to what we need to deliver. And that's where we started. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and, and you know, it's funny because I actually didn't even realize that you guys open started on OpenStack. Yeah. But, but you know, OpenStack itself is such a, like, it's so many different subcomponents and so many different things that have to work together. And then, like, RabbitMQs and all these other things that need to coexist in order for everything to go it's almost like all right let me see is this gonna be right today you know yeah and it's the openstack i think is great at really small scale or really large scale yeah that kind of in the middle of a cloud company a very little baby cloud company growing up right it it's not quite right for there i mean seth again great at huge scale great at small yeah. scale that yeah. middle point you really need someone that's understands and lives and breathes Seth 
Yeah. But in a startup, it's hard to have one person do yeah. one job, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. Now, I mean, so so a lot of the core, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be absolutely wrong about this, but a lot of the core of like the Kubernetes is is K3S, right? No. Oh. No. So we actually, um, what we offer customers yeah. is K3S. Okay. But what we run under the hood is all Full fat well, that's upstream what I mean. Kubernetes, offer, but, you, but, you're, but you, what you offer customers, customers is, yeah, is K3S. K3S. Yeah, 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 right. yeah So there's a, there's a mix, and I think K3S gets a bad rap. It in, does in terms of it's <laughs> it's it's lightweight and it's only useful for your nah, little baby edge yeah, product, no, right? It's it's not true at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can vouch. I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think we've got we've got one deployment of 200 K3S nodes wow. running at scale for over a year and a half now rock solid yeah um and you wouldn't say that about a little baby pet project yeah, would you absolutely <laughs> not. um so the reason we went down with k3s actually for customers was the orchestration layer yeah because three years ago things were very different in terms of spinning up a cluster um you've got to get certs issued for the right domain name and the right dns name and no join tokens <laughs> and the the dark old days where a very few people had a lot of knowledge yeah but K3S really opened up Kubernetes for everyone. Yeah. Because it was one command and you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of K3S. I just had this conversation. I had Alex Jones on right before you, and he has he does microcates yep. and, and uh, Kate's GPT and all that kind of stuff. But, he, you know, like like these, what is the purpose of these, of these micro distributions? And really, there's, they've kind of grown up in a way. You know, and and I feel like that, you know, if you're not really in it, then you probably wouldn't understand that. But but you if if you if you look at them and what they can do, there's there's actually advantages to some of them, versus using the full Kubernetes. Kubernetes. I'm putting in air quotes <laughs> full, here. Full, yeah. yeah, and air quotes for the ones that are listening instead of watching. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's you got to look at what's right for your use case, and that and that's really what makes sense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I remember spinning up clusters with with core os inserts i then yeah. found um what was the git project that was before kubedm there was an ansible kubernetes the cube spray oh yeah um i, I found that, that and yeah. you know it's like oh give it some vms give the ips <laughs> in an inventory and you get a kubernetes cluster i remember falling in love with that and then finding k3s and go wow i can get rid of a half hour ansible play with one command yes please and then KubeADM came along as a new project around then as yep, well. So yep. it's, you know, there's a, there's a long history of orchestration that didn't exist when we started this, that, you know, if we were making decisions today, it would be very different. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and you know, your technology might shift a- along the way, and maybe you, you maybe you do supply some other things. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're slowly moving over to Talos at the moment, actually, rather than, than K3s and, yeah, and, yeah. and full fat. <laughs> Kubernetes. So, you yeah. know, we're always looking to, to innovate and, and move forward. So. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I mean, you know, all these other cloud providers and things, they don't stay still. They're always innovating. They're always providing new things. I mean, to me, I'm like, you know, it's like David and Goliath. And I'm always rooting for you guys because <laughs> I, I just love that. You know, you're like this like scrappy, scrappy startup that's just like going out there and trying to trying to compete. And, I, and it's probably not your intent to compete with the cloud, you know, per se, but there's there's a large segment of people that can't afford that, nor do they need all that. And right. and, and you provide that, that needed, like, that, that bridge to get people going. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Kubernetes has this great 
promise and it does deliver it of being able to have all of these cncf projects that you can move around and just deploy and you know you, you want monitoring yeah. well here are x y and z project yep. you choose which one you want you want to change it down the line swap it out go you want yeah. storage here are all of these projects you want everything it's it's great and it's not great at yeah, the same yeah, time. I was gonna say, that's absolutely what I always say. I mean, there's there's pros and cons to that, especially for someone new coming into it. You know? Yeah, right. But I always think though that these things don't, at the end of the day, give business value. Yeah, like, they're really, really important. But you're not developing a product and you're not getting selling and you're not getting this in front of your customers if you're spending two days spinning up Kubernetes in itself, yeah. right? And that's what Sivo is all about, is about getting your end users value from you as fast as possible. Yeah, and, and, and that's really what I, I've actually, you know, I'm, you know, just like you, I'm a techie and I, and I love technology. I love to learn about new things. But, but recently, more, more because of the fact that, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of recession, VC has fallen out. And I start to think about, like, what's really important about, you know, some of these tech startups. You know, what is tech for tech sake and what is something that has real business value. And and I start to think about you know, well what are we trying to really do here? What is it that what is it that we're trying to do? And 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 Kubernetes may or may not be the solution in the future. Who knows? I mean, things move move around in so many different ways, but um, you know, at the end of the day, what people want is is they want to take the go from legacy to their new microservices based implementation. They don't they don't even know what that is yet. To about half of them and and so they're taking it they're splitting into these microservices they got to figure out the development life cycle they have to figure out all this kind of stuff and then they want a way to to make it so that these microservices can be brought in and out you know by themselves and so it doesn't affect other components and they want a way to scale and and really you have to think about what it is you're trying to do and then find the technology that matches that absolutely <laughs> rather than going down the route of i've heard argo cd is great yeah. i'm going to use argo cd why yeah. Yeah, well, no, Argo CD is great. And, you know, I think Argo CD is great. Yeah. It is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But I wouldn't go at it from I want to use Argo CD exactly. and find a problem it solves. Yes. <laughs> it's not the right thing. Um, but, you know, so I think that's what we're trying to give customers with, like, our marketplace as well, the one-click install. So yeah. you, you get a, cus a cluster up, 90 seconds, maybe less in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then this marketplace of being able to go, right, I want to try... Argo CD, get it on a cluster, get it outside of production, test it, burn it in. Does it work for your use case? No. All right, let me try Flux. 90 seconds later, you're in another brand new cluster. You're not worried about has Argo left anything behind that's now yeah. in, you know, yeah. messing around yep. with with, flu uh, with Flux. It's like I've no. never experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like, OK, so let's go with ingress controllers. Right. Yeah. Let's get five, six clusters up and running in your lunch break to try all of these great projects. And that's what I believe Sivo is really doing is letting you get on with testing stuff and using stuff and then running it in production. Yeah. I mean, so so who are you seeing now as, you know, because obviously it's been about five years now, but but you've changed technology, you've done a lot of different things. I mean, is it, is it more developers? Is uh, obviously there's there's uh, there's people in production, there's people in, I mean, what what's the, what are you guys seeing a lot of? We're actually, I mean, five years is a long time for a startup, <laughs> right? So the, the types of engagements we're getting with uh, users, customers, prospects is changing massively. 
So I think we started out as a business focusing on developers with sure. um, small budgets. I was on the beta originally. So right. <laughs> uh, all of our marketing, all of our messaging was really focused around these users that were that were developers, hobbyists. And the yeah. plan was that as they grow in the technology, get comfortable with it, they will take it to their day job and start introducing it. And I think that's maybe naive from us, but it didn't really happen because introducing new technology into an enterprise is hard. <laughs> yes. Really hard. I can, I can attest that. Um, especially if you go to then, oh, you've heard about Siva, go to the website and all of the messaging is marketed at hobbyists. Really? Okay. Right? <laughs> I, I haven't seen it in a while. So no, I, yeah. um, but that's where we were. <laughs> yeah. And you go to an enterprise customer that knows what they want and yeah. it's like, well, this isn't, this isn't a fit. It feels like a hobby project. Yeah. So we changed all of our messaging to be a lot more enterprise-focused, all of gotcha. the content to be enterprise-focused, and we're now starting to, to get in front of these customers that are looking for this sort of experience of cloud without the complexities that some offerings that are there. Yeah, because, I mean, it's pretty, you know, honestly, I, I don't like how a lot of the clouds um, interact with Kubernetes. You know, I think that they make it overly complex, and that the the you know the you know first you got to bring up like the you know the the controller and then you have to bring up like you know all this <laughs> and it's just like why would you do it this way you know it just doesn't make any sense. And I think yeah. I'm not I'm not here to kind of criticize how other people yeah. do it, but I, I can see how it's happened because yeah. you've come from this technology yeah. stack of VMs, right? Yeah. And then how do you put stuff on top of it? And yeah. the big challenge is always well I've got I've got five million VMs running. I can't just turn them off and turn them on again, but yeah. now in a Kubernetes focus. So I think we're, you know, we're really fortunate that we started with Kubernetes first. We run Kubernetes on the hardware. We give people Kubernetes. We run Kubernetes on Kubernetes. I've got customers running Kubernetes on Kubernetes on Kubernetes. <laughs> it's, yeah, Kubernetes all the way down. Yeah. And that be ability to focus means that we've been able to make architecture decisions yeah. which fit into the ecosystem that we're currently in. Yeah. So, so a big thing these days is is obviously security. Yep. How do you um, either a educate people more about security because you know uh, Kubernetes is very insecure out of the box, mm -hmm. you know, and b are you know is there, I mean obviously there's a marketplace, but how do you how do you like bring this all together? So I think yeah, I mean security is some one of the challenges we get asked a lot about because yeah, of course because people think you're a small player therefore you're less secure yeah. because you're small and i think yeah, that's yeah. bizarre but yeah. it's is what we come up so we do a lot of messaging around that but we're we're swapping over our default installation from k3s and um, ubuntu over to talos with linux from sidera sure. labs mm -hmm. um so that's an focused distribution of linux and kubernetes bundled together with excellent security practices from the start including things like there's no SSH, there's no bash on the box. So from a kind of vulnerability point of view, you get rid of a whole set of binaries that are running on the OS as an attack vector. Also, we deploy these clusters with security policies already enabled. Oh, that's nice. So they, they start off in WARN. So if you, if you push a deployment to one of our new Talos clusters and you've got runners root set, it comes up with a warning. This, is, this isn't a good idea. Yeah. Right? We'll let you do it. Yeah. because some people still need to do it um, but we're putting those warnings out by default um, and I think that's a really good way of educating people in their day-to-day -day of what they're doing because if you say read this blog post no one's going to read it whereas if it's kubectl deploy deploy uh, apply deployment and it goes 
warning, you're doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. At least it's in your face. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, you know, there, there has to be so much more education in this because, you know, there's so many vulnerable Kubernetes clusters, regardless of infrastructure, out there. And it's because people just assume, I'm just going to get this up and running. Yeah. And then Kubernetes is in container. It'll be secure. Yeah. We'll just go with, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, Kubernetes can be secure. It can be. It really can be secure. But you have to know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And there are, there are good projects out there, though, that will help. Yeah. Um, and I think what we probably need to do as a community, though, is move these distributions or packages or managed solutions to have default security there yeah. out of the box right yeah. you've got to make a conscious decision to make insecure decisions yes rather than being the default do what you want yes <laughs> yeah i think the the i you know just playing devil's advocate there the, the the reason why why it's this way though is because you know you have all these developers that are their job is to get the app out as fast as possible. Yep. They, they're not caring about security. That's kind of like an afterthought. And really, they're going to consume any API that gives them the fastest results. And they're just going to glue it up there and hope for the best and then leave it to DevOps and DevSecOps and everything <laughs> else to, to, to secure it. Yeah. So, so it wouldn't run, probably, if it wasn't that, you know in that fashion right out of the box. Yeah. So, <laughs> And yeah, that's exactly where it is, right? Yeah. But I think we've got to almost take responsibility as the people that are giving these tools to developers to make their make it visible to them right we don't want to make their lives hard because then they'll just yeah. not want to use us yep. uh want to work with a pe team or a Absolutely. devops team they're like they will find stealth ways of getting around it yeah so you want to put it in their face but still make it easy to make decisions against it yeah absolutely and so, so I know you guys started out with with Kubernetes, you know, well, it's OpenStack, but Kubernetes, <laughs> after that, Kubernetes yeah. as the core, are, you know, and I know you have the marketplace which can run stuff on Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. Are you also thinking of going maybe serverless and some other things that down the line? Yeah, I think uh, definitely it's, it's going to be something interesting. So we, we're launching here a, a machine learning product. Um, oh, wow. So kind of... That makes sense. Right? <laughs> so Kubeflow as a service, um, yeah. sort of one-click deploy, you get yeah. a fully managed Kubernetes cluster under the hood with Kubeflow installed and you can run workload. And I think that is our route down to something like serverless of being yeah. able to take these models and then run them at scale securely called by some sort of web endpoint. Yeah, yeah. So I think definitely on our roadmap, but we want to always focus on what we want, which is simple I, I love defaults that. that are secure and you can just get running quickly yeah. rather than days of work to get something yeah, started. I mean, you don't have to ship the kitchen sink. What you got to do is you have to create something that's easy, well-documented, lots of videos and tutorials, lots of, you know, to me, those are the key things that, that developers are, are looking for and DevOps and everybody is, is the reason why these cloud providers do well is because they make it super easy to do stuff. You don't want to have to set this stuff up yourself. Exactly. You don't want to do this. You want what's integrated, what makes it the easiest for me to go from code into production. Yep. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, at the end of the day, that's the fun bit, right? Yeah. That, that genuinely, I wake up in the morning and I can, if I go, right, I want to do this microservice or I want to offer this thing. And if I can get it out by the end of the day, that's a good day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not, I've got this idea. Let me spin up an infrastructure. I will go make a coffee. <laughs> I'll make some breakfast. I'll take the kid for a walk. Yep. And then like, oh, what was the idea I had? I've got a cluster now running, but... I don't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> I've been down that road many a time. <laughs> of course, and then you leave it running and yep. it's there for days. And you're like, yep. I don't know what it is. 
Especially if you give the project a really cool code name that yeah. you came up with before coffee. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, what else is on the on the docket for like you know things that you you guys are thinking about in the in the in the future? Oh, my God, there's so much. <laughs> I think our roadmap is is, is well, not uh, even roadmap. I like, mean, just things you think would be cool. It doesn't you don't have to commit. This is not a commitment of what commitment. they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think Kubernetes is in this strange place. Yeah. Um, as as a thing because. It used to be this really cool thing that a very small community knew about and were really passionate about and drove really, really quickly. And now we're at a KubeCon again, post the dark times with, you know, is it 10,000 people here? Right, and I'm talking to people on the ground that are like, oh, I know about Kubernetes, I kind of use it. And yeah. it's come to that general consensus of this is just Kubernetes and it's what you do. And I think over the next few years, a Kubernetes conference is gonna fall by the wayside because it's like having a Linux conference, yeah. right? <laughs> Who's gonna go to a conference about an OS? It's gonna be what cool stuff are we delivering and Kubernetes is just powering it in the background. Yeah. Um, and I think being able to push that through and getting in front of more people could be really, really interesting. Um, I was at uh, Wasm Tech in sure. Barcelona, like two, three weeks ago. And again, it feels like Kubernetes in the early yep. days, right? If there was a group of I think four or 500 people, mm. no customers, <laughs> no users. This was all a lovely group of people that were just pushing for the future and yep. pushing for their dream. And I think Kubernetes and we need to just find stuff like that and enable it. Yeah. And, th and that's a good point too. I mean, the things like Wasm, you know, is that going to, you know, be you know, uh, the next thing? And is it going to be something that that people are like, well, Kubernetes is too complex, and I'm just gonna use Wasm and Nomad or something like that, you know? Yeah, right, <laughs> I mean, we've got, um, what is it, DHH from uh, Basecamp, right? Yeah. Pulling out of cloud and building his own thing, which is kind of Kubernetes, but focused, yeah. right? It's taking out all of the craft from Kubernetes and, yeah. and doing that. So Wasm WebAssembly could be, could be that with something like Nomad, right? And, that community in particular thinks of Kubernetes as this giant monolith that's huge and difficult to run. Well, that's that's really where I, I feel like that spawned out of, you know, because people are getting frustrated about all the things you have to do with Kubernetes. And you know what? It can be frustrating or you could limit your, your you know, what you need to do. Think about what you need to do and how to accomplish that. You know, Kubernetes gives you a lot of options, but you don't necessarily have to take all those options. Absolutely. So, so, so you know, yeah. I mean, it can be frustrating. But if you get back to what what the main point is, is is managing microservices in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter if you use Kubernetes or Wasm or, or some other. You know, it depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah. And you know, if it's easier for you to do Wasm, use Wasm. If it's easier for you to use Kubernetes, use Kubernetes. I think they they solve different problems, right? They web, do. Web, WebAssembly is is really really cool. I learned yeah, uh, it was yeah. the first time I learned about it. You know, I spent two days surrounded by, by the core of it, and it was it was so inviting, so lovely. If like it's like anyone who's watching, if you get the opportunity to go to one of these, do get involved with that community because it's lovely. It's yeah. genuinely like a nice place to That's be. That's awesome. Um, but they're they're not solving the problems that Kubernetes solves today, which is orchestration at scale, mm -hmm. and Kubernetes does that amazingly. Yes, really really well. Um, and I think if we focus on that, I think Kubernetes has a really bright future powering all of these technologies because yeah, yeah. 
on call is lovely when Kubernetes is <laughs> is at the core of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing it right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the key. And, but it does it does take a little bit more thought and process to get your app into it and to to manage your app. You know, but once you're there, then it just becomes process. Exactly. Yeah, I think, <laughs> but it's the same problem I think you always have with applications of going from one to two is really hard. Going from two to two thousand is really easy because yeah. you've solved those yeah. one to two scale up <laughs> problems of how do you do session management? I just write it to disk. Well, you maybe use Redis. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, use something like that. But those those one to two scale ups of your PHP yeah. application is is where you work. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I still feel like, and I've said this in several conf um, conversations this week, is that you know there still needs to be an answer of how to get your your microservices app as a thing like this is your application and make that easy to deploy that into something like that's the missing link there kubernetes is great you have the source code over here you have kubernetes over here but the thing that just kind of packages that up and does it easier for people yeah. isn't really there so i think uh so uh, plugging something that is came up from our community um and we've integrated there's a product for called cube first Okay. Uh, it might be Cube Shop or Cube First. They're, yeah. they're kind of they're kind of there. Yeah. But uh, they presented um, in, with our community two weeks ago about a single command line hmm. that spins up a cluster, installs Vault, Argo, all uh, integrated with Terraform with Atlantis hmm. to do all of the Terraformers code bits. Uh, I said Vault for secret management, but also for OAuth, piped into either GitLab or GitHub. And it also creates your GitHub repositories for your microservice wow. out of the go um, within like 15 minutes. Wow, I'll have to take a look at that. I, you, I think I read about it, but I don't think I really- Honestly, it. it is insane. <laughs> and then you, if you wanna do user management, right? If you onboard a new staff member, you create a pull request in your infrastructure as code. It gets approved, Atlantis picks up those users, automatically creates a GitHub user, a vault user, wow. they've got single sign-on into everything. That sounds and amazing. I, it is genuinely <laughs> insane. They leave, you do a pull request, and it automatically pulls that user out of GitHub, out of your Terraform stuff. It just does it all out of the box. Wow. Microservices, if you say I want a new microservice, it's again a little bit of IAC code, uh, Terraform code. Atlantis picks it up, will create a new GitHub repository with the infrastructure as code bits in there for GitHub workflows or GitLab CI, all powered by Argo workflows, wow. to do staging, production deployments, build of containers, push to a registry, and honestly, within 10, 15 minutes, you have a production grade deployment system. That's amazing. And I was, I was, <laughs> I was floored when I saw it. Absolutely floored because it solves that exact problem. Yeah, and that's really the the biggest problem, the the biggest gap that I see. That, that you know that makes it difficult to get into this world yep <laughs> and yeah from a developer point of view as well the way that they've set up that uh, microservice repo is that that deploy to um, staging or sorry that initial build right it's an Argo workflow but the logs are all in your CI job so huh. they're in your github action that's awesome you deploy to staging it's an Argo workflow that triggers it but all of the logs for your developer are in their mono or in their uh, like poly repo with all of the logs in their GitHub action. So they have got their feedback cycle and they don't need to care about your IAC repositories. That's awesome. I mean, and they really put a lot of thought into that. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely. And it's, it's all open source. 
I'll have to have wh whoever who's the uh, who's the who's in charge of that project. You know, um, I can do yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do an introduction uh, yeah, yeah. to, to that. Yeah, I, I, I would love to talk about that because that's something that's that's uh, pretty interesting. I'm gonna have uh, Shannon Williams and Darren on uh, Acorn. for Acorn tomorrow. Yeah. So so I'm gonna talk a little bit about that, which kind of does something like that. It kind of solves that problem. Yep. Um, and so that'll be interesting too. But but I'm not, you know I'll definitely look at that other. Yeah, I, I honestly <laughs> flawed. Yeah. Like, Jaw drop. Of this is what we have been missing, and all of the tooling that we need. And it, it's great because it orchestrates all of these open source projects, right? We we all use Vault. We all use something like Argo. We all use Terraform. We all use Atlantis. And having them come together in the same default set, great. So, so, so I should expect a Sivo developer quick start or something like that coming out shortly. Then, yeah. I mean. Uh, it, it already deploys on Sivo, so they've done all of the development work on Sivo. So okay. I think it's just like queue first, create dash dash Sivo, dash dash GitHub or GitLab. Wow! And then you go away, make a coffee, and it's then you're good to go. That's amazing. I'm gonna actually try that. I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do it on here. And yep. then, and by the way, I'm pointing to my laptop <laughs> for the people who are listening. Uh, and and then get the coffee from the, from this strange Amsterdam coffee machine <laughs> that's that's over here that I can't read. Yeah. Um, and I'm just hoping that I get the right coffee. That's all. But that's the more important thing. Is is getting the, the right coffee. Getting the right coffee is the is the more important thing. The coffee's been been fun, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, especially the first day. I don't. I'm, I'm sure you were here the day before it opened. Yeah. And they had all these coffee machines laid out, <laughs> but none of them worked. And all you want is some coffee. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and there was like there was like no way to get coffee on the first day, so it was it was ridiculous. I was I was dying. <laughs> yeah, but no. Yeah, I said my friends my friends always tell me this. I tell everybody this. My friends tell me that I died many years ago, and it's just the coffee keeping me alive. So uh, that's that's me. Is that just you, or is that the entire conference and all of the <laughs> tech team that are here? True. Right, we're ninety nine point five percent caffeine rather yes, than anything that's else. That's, what I, that's my fuel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I get really grumpy in the morning if I don't have my coffee too. So it's like, tell me all. This is this is my one crutch. I figure if this is the crutch that I have, <laughs> then I'm probably doing okay. I, um, I went with with Mark, our CEO. We did a, a like a, a coffee barista course. We we spent a day out of the office going to learn about um, single origin coffee. Oh, that's awesome. What that all means, how you would take care of an a, like a barista level machine, how you like take care of the coffee as you make it it was just it was great it's just, just yeah it just reminds me of coffee but, but, is but so cool the funny part is that i'm that serious about coffee like i have that barista level machine at home yeah and i was almost to the point where i was going to buy the thing to to, to um roast to, to roast the beans yeah but then i was like oh, that's that all the smoke and all this kind of like you know and i was trying to figure it out but then i just kind of I get into these phases where I'm like really into something for like 10 minutes and then I'm like, all right, nah, forget about it. I'm going to do something else. But it's also like that ritual in the morning. You wake up, you grind the beans and you yep. get that smell of the coffee yep. and you, you, you heat it all up, you get your milk just right, and you sit down yeah. like, and start my day with a coffee. That's it. And that's that's lovely, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, so we're we're getting to the end here, but I wanted to ask you, like, so so you see a lot of technologies, obviously. You know, you're you're here at KubeCon. Anything that interests you that you weren't expecting, and anything that was of interest? I have to say, <laughs> I have been running around, and I have not had a chance yet. But yeah. I think this KubeCon's been interesting. Looking at the names that are out there, actually, is is that I think the last few KubeCons, there have always been the same companies here talking about the same kind yeah. of things, right? Yeah. And just looking at the booth names, it feels new. It feels 
different for the first time, I think, in a few years. Maybe I'll years. see the booths at some point. Yeah, maybe, maybe go, <laughs> go walk around and, and have a look and see. So I think that's going to be really interesting to kind of get to talk to these new companies that are out there exhibiting here. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping I can get down to the booths at some point. You know, uh, they put they put us in, in the corner over here. So, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So where can people find you? Obviously, you have this. What's, oh, what's your shirt say? So, Sivo um, <laughs> Navigate again for the for the viewers. It's it's on my shirt, but for the listeners, uh, we running our own tech conferences now. So we that's had. Awesome. Our first one in Tampa, in the U.S., in Florida. And you had some uh, no-name guy named Waz on there. Some, I think. some, yeah, Waz, Waz, Steve, Steve Waz. I yeah. think he did something with uh, bananas. Was it? Or... Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, you know, Apples, some fruity. bananas, yeah. something like that. Yeah, but yeah he, he came and he, he gave a, a great keynote. But yeah. we had um, sixty other talks over over two days. Really, really interesting. Learning about this technology and the industry that we love, and we're doing it again in London. Uh, on the fifth and sixth of September, um, again we're looking for we're looking for speakers. That if you've got something cool that you want to talk about, please submit you need that. A good and podcast there, absolutely, <laughs> that would be great. And um, you know, get the attendance in as well for two days. We've got some really interesting keynotes. That's some awesome. Really interesting. I wish I could. I wish I could say. <laughs> I might tell I you. I can see, I'm a, I see it. For those listening, you can't see his face, but if I could see his face in it. It looks. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. Yeah, but, but like I can't. <laughs> so I think that'll I'll be, be really sworn to secrecy though. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that'd be yeah, be great to see more of the the kind of Europe community coming coming to that. And yeah. room has it, we may be back in the US next year. That's awesome. I'm so I'm so I'm always so glad to talk to you. You know, it's it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Um, so where can people find you? If oh, they want uh, you? so best place is actually I'm really boring. I'm on the Siva community Slack. <laughs> so reach out there. I'm usually responding between the hours of naught 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 and and twenty. 359 i will be on slack so um come and find me there i i have a twitter i have a linkedin but you'll see it quite quiet yeah so, no worries community community slack for sivo um you can sign up sivo.com um sign up for an account it's a free account and definitely that check will it get out you. i love sivo <laughs> well, thank you very much michael all right thank you thanks for having you.